Ohayo gozaimasu. It's Zach Linglichichi. I'm so popular. And this week on the show, we are resuming Chichi's book club. Chichi no book club is here again. This month, we read The Sound of the Mountain by Kawabata Yasunari, a winner of the Nobel Prize for Fiction and a general Debbie Downer, quite miserable.、Um, but we're joined by lots of friends of the show today. To talk about this book together.、Um, why don't we start with Carlton? Who are you? Hey, Zach.、Uh, I'm Carlton. We're longtime、uh, Discord friends. That's、uh, right. And we met in person in Tokyo a few months ago. It was delightful. We did. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, you saw me do Utada Naito as well. You're one of the, probably one of five people in the world who's capable of speaking English who saw that. So thank you for coming. It was incredible. It was,、uh, it was a good performance, and、uh, I value your friendship. And,、uh, and I love the podcast. Thanks, dear.、Um, we're also joined by lots of returning book club members.、Um, Alex, what's up? How are you? I'm doing just fine.、Um, my name is Alex, as,、um, as you already said, longtime fan of the pod. Uh, I was on last month for Nightwood. It was super fun, and I'm really excited to do this one. Yay. And then we have May here. Hi, dear. How are you? Oh, hi. Yeah, I'm back again.、Um, yeah, hi. <laughs> You're like surviving a sickness, right?、Um, yeah, I am getting over the stomach flu. So if my like, energy is like, not out of town,、um, be patient with me. <laughs> It's okay. We'll be as patient、um, with you as you are with everyone else. So, not very, but we'll do our best. <laughs> All right. And, just kidding. And then we have Luke here. Hello, dear. Hi.、Um, I'm Luke.、Uh, yeah, longtime fan and excited for this biz. Yay. And then、uh, we have the Thought Topics villain, Amar, is here as well. Hi, baby. Hey.、Um... Like Zach mentioned, my Discord bio is Stock Thought Topics Villain. I'm gay. I live in Brooklyn. I'm in tech consulting and I wear a size small. There we are. These always feel so formal. I need to like, loosen the energy up with you girls.、Um, we read The Sound of the Mountain. This was actually my pick for the book club、uh, because basically every year I have read a different Kawabata novel. Him being the Nobel Prize for,、um, for literature, he took the prize over Mishima Yukio, which always really interested me. And they had a long, tense friendship over both of their careers. But the thing is, is that I had never read The Sound of the Mountain, and I have hated almost every single novel by this man I've ever read. And so I keep trying to give him a chance and like find. Something that I love and、um, not sure we necessarily got it here, but I am glad I read this.、Uh, it's basically just about a aging man transitioning into his 60s.、Uh, he lives at home with his wife,、uh, his son, and his son's wife and their daughter. And it is a Very slow motion unfolding of familial relations. It's a lot of looking at flowers and commenting on what's blooming and what's not. And it's very slow paced and algaic.、Um, but who has like a first thought about their overall reaction to this book? 
Um, I thought I thought it was like a great. I like read it while I was while I was sick with the stomach flu, and I thought it was like a great novel to like read while you're like starving and dying and like exhausted and in tremendous pain. You know, um, <laughs> the uh, also like is not that like deep it's like pretty shallow i thought so it did not like require too much of my like attention or critical thinking skills mm -hmm. um i uh, yeah but other than that i like found it like pretty like boring and meaningless and just like not worth the effort <laughs> <laughs> okay i will say that i completely agree with you that this feels extremely insignificant and this is kind of my comment for kawabata's whole career is that every book I read, even if it has like um, some superficial, beautiful detail, it is missing some comment. Like it has very little to say to me. And I've always wondered if that's just because I'm still at the age I am and maybe this will feel more weighted as I get older. Um, but that hasn't been the case yet. Alex, Alex, what did you think about this? Um. Okay, so me... Personally, I normally don't have a problem with a slower paced or, um, I don't know, more like mood based book the way that this felt to me. Um, however, I felt a little less charitable in this particular uh, scenario just because it, I don't know, I felt like I was like watching a montage of, um, of different things happening in nature, of like brief movements of the hand and of like, and I really, I, normally when I read a book like that, I find that all of these elements kind of coalesce into something that uh, all of these tiny things build up to like a giant object, but I didn't really see that giant object come into focus really at any point. Um, during the book, I found certain elements of it to be uh, well-written and evocative of something, but I never found that all of these really came together in any, in any unifying way that, like, moved me particularly. Very true. Now, did any of you, like, did any of you really like this? Is there anyone who, like, really liked it? Um... I mean, I didn't really like it, but I, like... I did find it like interesting. Um, but yeah, no, I guess I didn't like I wasn't obsessed, but yeah, no one was like living boots for it, huh? <laughs> I think it's not. living boots. No. I think it's a really good reflection of of Japanese society, at least is the way I've perceived it. Um because it's kind of like a more it's like a different view of the heterosexual couple than you would see in the West. Cause it's it's like uh everyone's in a big extended family situation. And everyone's very cognizant of like what's going on. Like in the US, it seems like once you move out of your parents' house, like that's it. You're just uh you're you're not necessarily telling everyone what's going on. But this seems like something you would see in a K drama where it's like the mother is super involved in everything. Yeah, it's um definitely I, I did a little bit of like research into the reaction to this and a lot of critics kind of imagine it as a uh comment on the post-war mentality of uh Japanese society within like familial relations and I think that definitely does come up a few times but 
doesn't ever feel as striking or fabulous as like something like Mishima. But Amar, what did you take away from this? What did you, how did you feel finishing this book? I liked the book in the way that it can be nice to look at an ant farm for a while. (laughs) I watched them. One thing that I thought was on a technical level bad about the book was the way that events were structured because in the beginning part it is really focusing on getting you situated in the family and then there are this there's the string of funerals and then it's like the daughter coming back to live with them and then it's like the abortion and I think the, the that sort of like episodic nature of everything that had to do with like one theme happening at once and how short the book was made it feel somewhat unreal. I think that if you like cycled over and over through the same things, it might have felt more I, I would have felt like the structure of the novel had to do with the theme. Like if we had those same like discussions of the four friends' deaths peppered in throughout the novel rather than back to back to back. I just mm-hmm. feel like it's more impactful. I definitely get that. I feel like the passage of time is really strangely structured in this book um, because it does start with like um, very detailed like accounts of like several days and then the book slowly unfolds until things happen over like the course of a little bit over a year I think and uh, Mm -hmm. I noticed like this because there's so much attention to like what's blooming or like dying in the garden that was like what I first noticed I'm like oh it's like the winter now I didn't even notice so the passage of time and then the narrative is uh definitely very spacious and and strange and uh, not very familiar to like Western styles of books, I would say. Luke, I think you're the only person we haven't heard from about your overall thoughts. I think in general, I was most fascinated by like um, Shingo's just like, his like relationship with his daughter versus his relationship with his daughter-in-law. And also just like, I don't know, like I didn't enjoy being in his mind uh or it also just kind of scared me um but yeah and then I also the part about him like it also made me wonder like if I have a kid am I gonna be like dang they're not pretty and just like hate them forever like I don't know it was like (laughs) wild it is wild Shingo is the main character and it's told in like a very very close third person that is mostly centered around his uh experience of like looking at things and getting his newspaper carried up to him and staring at his uh children and being generally detached passive and quiet what did you all think of Shingo as a character like what did you get out of him it felt to me like the kind of a classic theme of the uh, emasculating nature of aging was kind of the thing that jumped out at me the most. Um, it was, it was like his, uh, he, 
it felt like he was no longer able to like will the family dynamic into existence anymore. And as such was just kind of watching it spiral and watching the, uh, the buried things from the past that uh, they hadn't had to talk about just kind of uh, rise to the surface. Um, so, and that was one of the things that I thought was well done. I thought he was a well-constructed character. I, um, I just wish that I had felt like he was, I don't know. I wish I felt like he was there more. Yeah, he definitely like floats through the air like a little cherry blossom in the wind without like ever being um present or truly rattled by anything. Who else has thoughts about Shingo? Yeah, personally, I found it like very impossible to get like fully emotionally invested in this guy. I don't know. He just like seems like this like this like honestly, this just this like old fart who's like just like shuffling around and then like like every once in a while he'll like notice like a, a blossom or like have like some sort of like <laughs> abstruse horny dream and it's like like literally like what are we supposed to get out of all this you know um so... a detour about his horniness because i was very confused a number of times when he's just like just like at one point he's just like my secretary's boobs are smaller than my daughter-in-law's boobs and then he's like, my daughter has an ugly face, but she has nice tits. I'm like, <laughs> I just like didn't get where it was going. Like if I was in real life and someone said that, I'm just like, okay, they're a creepy, horny old man. But when there's like an award-winning author, I like tried to sit with it and be like, is this trying to say something? And I, I don't see it. I think it must be saying something that is like... Uh magically eluding all of us like it has to be I'm sure of it but it is I suppose whether or not he is a very well-drawn fascinating or like um important moving character I guess like this is kind of like starkly realistic or something I imagine that this does happen and people do become kind of like entombed in a quiet like march towards death in which they just are like passively noticing details forever looking at things and then making sad resigned little thoughts about them before they continue in their little routine every day and it is very depressing and monotonous and boring to read through but perhaps this is a warning of what's to come well this is what happens if you don't do anything Mm, absolutely Go ahead, Carlton. There's a big focus on like consumption. So it's all about like drinking this kind of tea. Is it an expensive kind of tea? What are we eating? Uh, there's a lot of focus on moving between homes. Like, should this person take a home? Should they not? Um, and it seems like it, it's kind of like a evolution of what you would see in like, uh, like the horror of the body. Um, I think it's, it's um uh, because consumption is always about, you know, we consume and then we have to get rid of it. Like we always um, want to make the toilet something that's we something out of view. Um, so it's like, it, it seems very focused on the everyday things, but then it, it will just kind of explode and it'll move into something that's much more deep and much more um, like there are a couple parts, like where they talk about spare parts. 
our when we get to the pearly gates um don't judge us too hard because we were all just spare parts like we didn't really we, we, weren't, we weren't necessarily a good fit for what we were doing but we were just there um so i i think it's it's definitely like a running travelogue of what this guy is is thinking um but i mean that's the way because our lives don't really add up to anything very definitive like it's just things happen maybe something you know it's there's there's never like a grand narrative that links our our existence unless you can force one to make like yourself unless like you can do that with yeah. your own uh creative energy but yeah, his, through sheer um, force exactly his like passive horniness is definitely like one of like the weirdest parts of this book um i he always is having these sex dreams um about like cheap women but then he also is not aroused by them and like wakes up and just has like it's like uh god i don't even know it's like jinx monsoon making a joke about rupaul how when like rupaul opens her legs it just goes it's just like a, like a sound of like air letting out and that's how it feels whenever it's like being depicted as horny in this book um alex what did you think about his sex drive <laughs> i found it to be um I actually think this was one of the things that I liked more about his character. Um, it seemed to be one of the only arenas of life in which he seemed to really have anything definitive to say about anything. Um, so it's like, yeah, maybe you are comparing your like employees tits with that of your daughter-in-law, but at least you're, I don't know, making a judgment call on something rather than just looking at flowers. Um I found it to be like kind of pathetic because I, I could feel him uh, like struggling against the desexualizing and emasculating nature of age. Um, but it's kind of, I, I, I thought it was probably the most um, interesting facet of his character. I just wish that I had felt more of an arc or some kind mm-hmm. of shifting in uh, those thoughts or the way that he acts upon those thoughts or doesn't. Well, one thing I did like was the haunted image of his sister's or of his uh, wife's hotter sister who died. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. Love that. That's everyone to her. And I can relate to that because I definitely feel like I have like dead images of people in my head that I'm, constantly and tritely comparing every man i meet to so i thought that was a uh, quite bracing and harsh but it is also really campy and ridiculous as well uh-huh <laughs> uh, may what did you think about this about what about like him just like being like corny yeah his um, sexuality on the page <laughs> like just like I would have appreciated it. I feel like if it were like a bit more salacious and juicy, like just give us more. I don't know. Like I feel like some like 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 some like old guy noticing that is like sec- like noticing that his like secretary has like nice tits or whatever. Um or like whatever he's like getting up to. I forget honestly. Um it like it's just like not that it's not that interesting like make it more insane Um, i agree i wanted it to all be more insane too and especially after like well um, 
like go ahead. I think what we all wanted to be is we wanted to be like Mishima. I was just gonna say, (laughs) we all wanted to be. I feel like I feel like Mishima, you know, and I'm I've like only read a limited a limited amount, but I feel like he just like does everything that like this is trying to do, but like a million times better. It was like more like like sort of like gross evil horniness. There's like um he like does like the whole like interpersonal drama thing better um he does like the sort of like i don't know commentaries on like japanese culture and aesthetics a lot better i think um so yeah so i i really like agree with you that i'm I'm like now like really angry that he was like snubbed for the nobel prize i guess like the nobel committee probably like read this this book and like his other works and we're like oh it's like very it's very like it's, it's very like zen it's very wabi-sabi it's very like mono no or whatever but yeah, you have like it I'm exactly just... right i i think you're exactly hitting it on the nose about what fascinates westerners with this author is because his prose is like self-consciously styled to be like a haiku and it's all very like short sentences featuring limited amounts of details and it's extremely restrained um, I do like it sometimes. Like there's this passage, uh, Shingo unplugged the electric razor. There were two brushes in the case. One was like a small toothbrush, the other like a small bottle brush. He gave them a try. Cleaning the hole behind the blades with the bottle brush, he looked down and saw that very short white hairs were falling on his knee. He could only see white hairs. He slapped them from his knee. So it's like these like really short, kind of like punctuated, um, like haiku styled sentences and i think it's uh so obvious and not really uh exciting or innovative and it makes like the whole thing come across as a like quite hollow and sort of like a discount reproduction of like the wabi-sabi mononoaware values that you're talking about um anmar what did you think about the sexuality because you brought it up what else did you have to say about that I think May hit on the right point that probably all of us here wanted to be more intense. And I think that the author has coded Shingo as morally upstanding. Like he is an older man who kept his family business going through the war. He isn't, he like has enough money to go like hook around and do whatever he wants his son certainly does so I think part of the reason why it's so boring is because it is a portrait of a man who is trying to be morally upright to treat his daughter-in-law with some sort of respect he doesn't do anything he like barely even tells his son to stop his affair but I think that really is what's holding this book back from exploring deeper themes is because if your main character is going to be a goody two-shoes the whole time like how much room do you really have to explore anything other than just compared comparing tip size yeah and it also is like it it is so um restrained like you're saying that like it does make me question like literature more broadly and it's like am I like media sick and like I need everything to be intense now or is is that just like my personal preference I don't know but this was like so uptight morally and of such like that uh you know well-mannered uh 
personality that I did feel very uh, inclined to snoozing reading it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I thought about like the moral uprightness as I was reading it, I thought back to like how D.H. Lawrence, I mean, he's always talking about like virtuous women when he's talking about his morally upstanding characters, but he puts like the moral, I'm thinking of his short story, like the fairy princess or something. And he puts those characters like really through the gauntlet. He like has this woman like go up into the mountains with this like incredibly horny farmhand and like shows you what it means to stand for something, to have certain values of how you want to be treated in the world and what it means to go up against people who don't like believe in the value of anything. And there wasn't conflict. And I get that that's the point of the novel, that it's just supposed to be like, oh, reading this is like the experience of being an old man and not really being able to accomplish anything. And I have had difficulty with similar books. Um, Speedboat by Renata Adler comes to mind where the whole book is just like descriptions of parties and business meetings. And it's supposed to be about the meaninglessness of corporate life. And it's like, if you're just recreating the experience, like what's the point of it being a book? Like I already am a corporate show. Like, why do I need to read about it? I'm going to be an old man. Like, if you're not going to say anything about it, why am I reading you? Yeah, it's like defeats the purpose of literature. Like, just providing a mirror that uh, depicts an experience and then doing nothing with it is very defeatist and depressing. And it's funny, too, because, um, I mean, this is like the complete opposite of what we read last month with, like, Juna Barnes' Nightwood, which is, like, saying... <laughs> far too much all the time and has everything happening constantly whereas this is like literally the exact opposite but I really feel like Kalabatha is like incapable of making some sort of prescription or transcending his gloominess around aging because I read um, a novella by him called House of the Sleeping Beauties which has a much more salacious concept about an old man who uh, uses like this strange brothel service where you're allowed to sleep next to these uh, gorgeous young women who are like knocked out with a drug and you can't do anything with them. You can just like sleep next to them and like touch them. And even that was like, I looked at the snow falling outside of the window and felt a small <laughs> passage of pain move in my heart. I was like, girl, shut up. Honestly, <laughs> get over it. Um, there is one conflict in the book that kind of animates everything else that's going on. And that is the protagonist Shingo's son Shuichi is having an affair with some woman. I think her name is, uh, what do they call her? Do you know? Yeah. Let me check. I need to pull up all the names for this. A lot of these characters have similar names as well, which was um, annoying. They all have they, um... the same first letter and also use like the same ko. So very obnoxious. But yeah, anyway, Shuichi is sleeping around. And uh, a lot of the book is the protagonist watching that and feeling helpless about it. Uh, what did you all think of, of this conflict? I feel like um, Shingo's sexuality is actually reflected through Shuichi because Shuichi is kind of like a benevolent force. I mean, he, he's definitely, he gets a lot less airtime than uh, Fukiko or whatever the daughter-in-law's name is. Oh yeah, Fusako and, is the daughter um, and then the daughter... 
What's the daughter-in-law's Kikuko? name? Kikuko. Kikuko. Okay. And I mean, there's a lot of dialogue with Kikuko, but mm-hmm. uh, Shuichi is kind of like, he seems like a benevolent force that hovers in, hovers out, creates chaos. Um, and so I think it, it's almost, it was almost like a, cause it's the whole familial passage thing. Um, I mean, Shingo definitely sees himself in Shuichi and he doesn't want to directly tell his son what to do because of, I guess, the norms of, of culture or whatever. Um, but he also, it's kind of like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type thing where, uh, Shuichi comes out at night. Um, but, um, yeah, I like the, I like the whole progression of, um, Shingo finding out more and more about the affair. Um, yeah. Anyone else have thoughts about, uh, this conflict? I, I feel like what... Oh, oh, sorry. I feel like what uh, Shingo is like, what he's sort of like thinking and the way that he's always comparing his own like family members. I feel like maybe Shuichi is not actually like thinking about it in that way, but is acting on that same like energy, but maybe it's more like subconscious for him. But I feel like it's like they're cut from the same cloth, of course. Um, And yeah, I guess that's my thought on it. Mm. I do think that there's an important parallel between the way that Shingo's constant longing for his wife's hotter dead sister creates his own and his wife's own misery and extends to the daughter too, because he, when the daughter is born, says like, I hope that she could have some of like the hot dead sister. She could look like the hot dead sister, but then she's like, no, she's uglier than my wife. I do think that like, we do see that what Shingo does through the comparison with the dead sister is reflected back in what Shuichi is doing, but in real life by sleeping with this other woman. And I think in the last chapter, there's a line like um, Shingo asks his son, how is uh, Kikuko doing? And Shuichi says, now that I've stopped my affair, I think she's bored. So I think in that, we actually see that the real life affair might be less bad for their relationship than this constant haunting specter of the dead sister who can never be fucked. Mm, I think that's a definitely uh, an interesting thought because, you know, lately I have been exploring the idea of, of like um, the kind of White Lotus season two gesture towards a little mystery can never hurt anyone and uh, heterosexuals like inability to um, like give themselves any freedoms or like lenience in terms of their sexuality. So it is nice to see that Kawabata kind of seems to be agreeing with that. And I did love um, this one paragraph that I thought was like kind of shocking. Um, It writes, was he searching for the image of Yasuko's sister, even in his grandchildren? The thought made Shingo dislike himself. And even while disliking himself, he was lost in fantasy. Would not the child Kikugo had done away with, her lost grandchild, have been Yasuko's sister, reborn? Was she not a beauty refused life in this world? He was even more dissatisfied with himself. That was the most insane thing I'd ever read. I was like... <laughs> it was actually yeah. it was actually the most unhinged thing and i did i thought i really liked that though i found it to be like one of the high points of the book for me just like i don't know amid all the 
like natural imagery and like slow moving like domestic scenery um it was nice to like i don't know have this like this like psychosexual like lineage uh appear and like the like sheer force of his like horniness for his wife's dead sister is like recreating her within the womb of his daughter-in-law it's i don't know that was like what i what i wish i could have um drawn from more of the book i wish the whole book was just about that and he was like even more manically fixated on it because like i said i want this to be a mishima novel but the yeah, idea that there I was, was like, just, like, i thought for men. sure you go ahead sorry oh sorry i um i just thought for sure that like that was going to become like the the thing that the thing that spiraled out of control and destroyed everyone but i don't know that is probably mishima on the brain as well no we can't now that we've uh, tasted the like delicious ecstasies of these like crazy japanese authors i like don't have any time for slow motion realness at all i want so much more extremity and shock value but i guess there is something really like sinister and uniquely creepy creepy in the way that um once you kind of see a character like shingo and get like so acquainted with his mode of thinking over the course of the book you can kind of like see people uh who are older around you and imagine that they have like these disturbing vortex of hang-ups and misplaced erotic fixations just like very very distantly locked somewhere inside of them so i do like that element party (laughs) party (laughs) party um, I have noticed that I am like, uh, I don't know, when I was reading this book, this was like a couple weeks back, but I was going into my job and I was like extrapolating um, like long traumatic histories and like family dynamics for like people that were coming in. I was like, I was like looking at like the way that they were, uh, their like body language and the way they were interacting with each other. And I was like, just kind of my mind was creating these like uh long fantastic histories for them so maybe that's that's one way in which reading this book did enrich my life in some way yay i'm glad it did something it, it is nice to um have something so well drawn as like uh the shingo character because you kind of can uh then start to see it around you if you look for it but maybe that's just like me trying to pick something positive out of the book uh, we were talking a little bit about um, Shuichi. I kind of found the idea of him to be a little hot. Like, I thought he was, like, the one, like, active sexual element in the text. And um, I would like to have have been his mistress or something. <laughs> I'm going to let that hang until someone else says something. Um, one thing that, like... Um, one thing that, like sort of struck me while I was reading this book is it kind of feels like an insane book to like write like merely a couple years after your like entire country has been like firebombed and like had like an atomic like two different atomic bombs like dropped on you and stuff but like things like really go back to like domestic gazing at cherry blossoms like that quickly or is it kind of like is like all that being like swept under the rug 
Yeah, it's a great question. And it is important to note, this was uh, serialized between 1949 and 1954 for five years. And this was like immediately after the war ended. So I guess you can imagine a bunch of like like impotent old men probably were like feeling quite lost at the time. And uh, the idea of everyone just like starting to reflect on cherry blossoms and forget about the um, complete destruction of everything around them uh, less than five years ago is definitely quite amusing. <laughs> That's like insane that like it was serialized over five years. Who has the attention span to like keep up with this like boring, dry, nothing book for literally five years? Can you imagine checking in on like whatever Shingo is like being emo about <laughs> for like five years? I have to know which of his daughter figures Shingo is horniest for five years <laughs> later. I mean, I do love like the uh, old school Japanese penchant for serialization. It does seem like a lot of fun and kind of like a hoot to me. But the idea of like reading this serialized for half a decade is bananas. Um, it I is also bananas. It's bananas. I should also mention um, that, like Mishima, Kawabata also killed himself, uh, but his suicide is a lot less uh, glamorous. If I recall correctly, he just, like, did a gas one, you know, just, like, ran the car in the garage or something like that. Um, so he didn't even, like, uh, give himself a, a fabulous way out. And it is interesting. I feel like in this book, you can absolutely, like, not to, you know, read too deeply into it, but you can kind of pick out the suicidal ideation and, like, the hopelessness of uh, this man. It definitely feels on arrival like he is already going to die. Yeah, well, there's that that discussion of, like, the, the husband and wife <laughs> who commit suicide together, and then there, there's the whole thing of, like, oh, well, she didn't write a note because she didn't have to, or whatever. And, um, yeah, suicide looms large over this book. And um, yeah, and I found the wife honest. really fascinating. Oh, like One, uh, because, Shingo's wife? Yeah, Shingo's wife. Because in that same Carlton, in the same passage that you're talking about, right before Shingo had like, I still don't understand what he was saying about like respecting the young girls who got abortions and how he like found hope and faith in them or why it was like explicitly called like a eugenics project. But then his wife in the same newspaper is interested in a story about an old man who takes his grandchild who's been paralyzed since he was an infant oh, down yeah. a mountain by carrying him. And Shingo is just like, oh, I'm so different from my wife. And I don't get the wife because we have so little time with her, but she's like hale and healthy and has good blood circulation and just seems to be like, keep on keeping on. But even she says it's better to die when you are still wanted. Mm. There's, there's one kind of thread going through this book that I find uh, heterodox and interesting. Um, it's kind of because there's so much uh, focus on consumption and flowers and food and, and kimonos and all this stuff that it, it kind of often people say things like, Oh, um, 
there's not enough time in the day or, oh, there's not, um, you know, time moves so quickly. Well, in this book, it seems like time actually moves very slowly and that, you know, we have, there's a reason we call it past times. Like we have to get rid of this time we have. And um, it's definitely kind of, because like, it, it's also just kind of sad, like how once you're old, you're old and he's just, he's in this state. And it, it feels like almost the climax of the book is when he can't remember how to tie his tie. Um, I mean, that's like the most touching moment in the book, at least for me, um, because it's just kind of everything that every, everything is falling apart. Uh, and then immediately he can remember how to tie his tie again. So, um, mm. yeah. Yeah. The scene in which he has to like ask his like uh, various members of his family to help him uh, is definitely a very sad and ogaic. And uh, you're right that this also feels like time moves extraordinarily slowly because this book is only like about 200 pages or so, but it really takes like forever to read it. Um, like I read it over the week and it was like agonizing to like pull myself through like another 40 pages and like month of time within like the book span of um just like this wallowing and wandering around uh and these like small little anti-events that happen. Like I guess like one of the most significant details and like a constant preoccupation of the narrative is this dog that gives birth um, underneath the house. <laughs> Did anyone have thoughts about the dog? I love her. Teru. <laughs> I love her. Mean Teru and her puppies. He like, introduces it in a really funny way. He's like, the bitch gave birth underneath the house. <laughs> it was like something like that. <laughs> Such great words. Mate, do you have thoughts about the dog? Um, I thought that the dog was... Um, like a much needed reprieve from the depressing narrative I don't know um but also in a sense like yet another distraction <laughs> uh so you 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 know it's like it's like one of like many of these like little like details that's just like sort of like randomly thrown in that like doesn't really connect to anything or like maybe it does and like some like like abstruse like metaphorical way that like nobody except for the Nobel Prize committee will ever be able to untangle um <laughs> but um but I thought it was nice it was sweet um yeah I think it's I nice and sweet too. the puppies and I think that the thread was was clearer there than to me than in a lot of other parts so there's this one point where the black puppy is just like strikes a particularly handsome pose and Shango thinks oh that pose looks just like that like a painting I've seen and I assume that the author just like or that the painter just like came up with that pose but it was beautiful for him to have seen it in real life and I also think that it's relief to us and it's also relief to Shingo to see that he can still see new and interesting things and see puppies be born and have new experiences even at his age which he doesn't get like anywhere else like the only other new experience that I think he has in the entire novel is when that toddler almost gets run over in front of him oh yeah when the 
when the little girl almost gets uh, yeah. run over on her way to the Buddhist temple that she then wants to go back to over and over again. Yeah, so I found those to be like kind of clear and neat bookends to a similar experience that he gets to experience like birth and joy and beauty with the puppies and also like confront immediate mortality with that little girl almost getting run over. Totally. That does kind of raise, I think, what is um, the most important question um, in considering this book, which is if you think Kawabata is kind of right about this or not, do you think everyone is doomed to live in this isolated, walled-off emotionality as they get older, in which they are cursed by the eponymous sound of the mountain when they hear, like, the rumbling of death and ensuingly become these detached, passive, and mostly unemotional kind of specters of themselves. Like, do you think that this is something that you can move out of and be spared from? Or do you think this is kind of the nature of um, all self-reflective people that we're going to end up this way? I, I think you can escape. I think the key is like other people and like, because like he doesn't really seem to have people to like share these like dirty dirty thoughts with like the stuff about him like the way that he like sees his family members and whatnot like I feel like if he if he had like found people or yeah if he had found people that he could like bounce these ideas off of then I don't think it he'd be living such like a boring, like detached or not boring, but like detached existence. Mm. So Shingo just needs to go to therapy. <laughs> Maybe. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't even think therapy would help. I think he has to have like a, an emotional connection. Like he yeah. has to be able to like pierce through those walls through interaction with uh, someone. Like you can't leave your perversions about your, uh, wife's sister locked up inside of you forever you have to externalize it somewhere and he doesn't externalize anything he's a total like victim to the passage of everything around him and like the reign and tyranny of the blooming flowers yeah, yeah i think it's like something that's like very difficult to escape to be honest i like already feel kind of like shingo at, at, at the at the old age of 19 years old um <laughs> I think I, it might I, just I be because know. you're sick, dear. No, I like always feel that way. <laughs> you do you always feel like Shingo? Uh yeah. <laughs> like an old horny Japanese man. <laughs> I actually did relate relate to the character um in some ways. That's like also why I like didn't like him that much. He's like a very like unflattering reflection. <laughs> of like parts of myself that I'm like not really proud of I think or like tendencies that are like very unhealthy that I sometimes indulge in. So what do you think is um the big like relational point or like what you're relating to yourself? Um I don't know just like the way that he's like always like melancholy and like cannot solve any of his like problems I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Being melancholy and incapable of solving problems i guess <laughs> well um it's good to have that perception i suppose and like uh, see it in yourself personally i did not relate with him almost at all and maybe that's because i'm a vain homosexual 26 year old youth 
Did any of the other yeah. young gay people relate with him <laughs> or no? No, absolutely um, not. I found no. him to be like repulsive and like uh like I don't know. I found him to be like interesting in some respects, but I just found his whole ethos to be like really gross to me and like just very counterintuitive to uh the way that I feel like I personally think and act. Like it it just I don't know it like it was like crawling under my skin to like even to even like read about it in some places totally okay the other two young homosexuals did you relate with him at all or is he a a distant figure for you he's not Um, a distant figure oh go go ahead Luke oh oh, okay um he's yeah like there were parts that I kind of related to but I feel like where he is analyzing these women in his life and like their beauty like i'll do that like maybe everyone does that i don't know but like i guess i'd be doing that but i'm not like it doesn't solely exist in my mind and like i don't know like i'll keep like a folder of like specific men that i'd be liking or whatever um so i feel like because yeah maybe the key difference is that i externalize and yeah i don't know like, yeah, the Instagram, yes. uh, like, explore page and my Instagram archive of, like, saved photos is, like, definitely giving a little bit of Shingo. Oh, my God, no, mine wasn't like that, and now it's getting, like, I don't know, like, chi-chi-pilled. It's, like, scary. You're, wait, are you saying that your explore my, page my is Instagram chi-chi-fied? <laughs> yeah, that's what it, that's what it feels like. It's just, it's like, like possessed uh, by, like, beautiful like, men. By, like, hot, muscular men. Um, <laughs> just, like, like, and I don't even, like, really interact with, like, anything like that on Instagram. It's just, like, I don't know what's happening. They're coming out of the algorithm, like, ghosts <laughs> in the shell. They get you, girl. You better run. I'm scared. <laughs> okay, Amar, what did you, do you relate with him at all? I wanted to hear your thoughts about this, too. Yeah, I, I, Shingo's not a distant figure. I, I love living alone. I love staring at my walls in silence. I like looking at my little orchid on top of my china cabinet. Bear in mind, I'm 23 and live alone in Brooklyn. Um, I'm like, have all of the options to be as much of a gay whore as I want. I can party until 4 a.m. any night of the week. And I do when I feel like it, but I like love throwing just like a cute little brunch and going to bed at 9.30 p.m. and going to the farmer's market and whiling away my time. I don't think I've ever had any grand desire to like be known or accomplish anything great. I'm like an easily contented person. Like I, I don't relate to the parts of Shingo where he like just lets problems fester and not do anything. But I don't know that that's like the primary depressing part of his life it is that he has let some essential part of his vim and vigor go yeah like you can and live i do wonder a, a if i've dignif- done the same you you wonder if you've done the same because it seems like you can lead a dignified lifestyle that's like not you know about greatness and is about like accepting like small joys in life but he doesn't really seem to take uh, joy in anything except like uh, the dog's handsome pose and like his daughter almost getting his granddaughter almost getting run over yeah yeah and I think in that like I I think that's the distinction that I try to keep in my own mind it's like 
I don't need to go out and do everything or be everything, but you need to make your life into what you want it to be. And that's definitely something that I still do. So yeah, I think that, that he failed at for sure. Yeah. So I know that last time I said, I felt like the doctor who just like collects antiques and loves his like nice little old frying pan. Um, but I'm happy doing it. Like I'm not, I'm not mad at the world, which I feel like both Shingo and the doctor in the last novel were. Absolutely. Carlton, as um, the resident uh, heterosexual and the oldest member here, do you relate with Shingo at all? <laughs> um, there are certain, there's one scene that I thought was really sweet where he goes to that geisha club and then there's the young geisha that he had um, complimented before, like an earlier part of the book or something. And then she just like falls asleep on his lap. Um, I definitely... Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, it's something that you said before, Zach, but it's like the heterosexual world for dating, it just doesn't work. Like there's something like you go to a club and like you were saying, it's just, it just doesn't work. Like you can just tell the system doesn't work. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely see myself in it. I too, um, as you know, from our secret group chat, I am also consuming, uh, bodies on Instagram at like all the time. So, you know, it's, it's definitely, there's definitely a passive mode that you fall into in the current, in the current time. Um, but I think this book tells you that you have to break out of that and, uh, not become, uh, you know, 19 year old may feeling like 60 year old Shingo. So. Yeah. I yeah. definitely don't want May to feel like 60 year old Shingo in the future. And I don't think that this book gives you like the thing I'll, I'll disagree with you on is that I feel like the book does not tell you to escape it. And it just kind of like lingers and just uh, gestures at this sensation. And I'm not saying it's art's responsibility to like give an answer or create a prescription or like attempt to engender change in its audience, but it is quite desolate that it has no suggestion at the end. Well, I, I think the book almost tells you, you should be Shuichi. I mean, that's the, He's the oh, one it that totally has the most does. Fun. Yeah. So I and I think it's kind of like one of those things. It's like um, there's this term like repressive desublimation. It's kind of like this concept of like Frederick Jameson talked about it. It's where you basically within the logics of a system you break the system, but in in, in trying to break the system you actually just reinforce the system. And it's like Shuichi, he is breaking taboos, um, but actually the breaking of taboos is what uh, forms the, the norms in this, you know, in this familial system. Um, and it's kind of like, it's like one of those things about Japanese society where it's like, um, and they're trying to break away from it, but it's all like these inappropriate relationships with, with your male bosses and, you know, all this, it, it's a, it's a much more like in America, we've, we've kind of um, gone against all these more inappropriate relationships, but in Japan, it's still like, a form it's a very formative part of the social fabric and um yeah it's funny we were just like talking about that at dinner like a, a few weeks ago like me and like nick and from tokyo and stuff and even people who live here like foreigners who aren't like um totally involved with like a lot of japanese people or like don't have a lot of like friendships they completely miss that all of that is um going on right underneath their noses and they just kind of summate it as a uh, 
oh, Japanese husbands cheat on their wives a lot. And it's like so much deeper than that. Um, and I think it is like a useful model that like you do need to like accept some freedom and uh, make decisions that may not be morally acceptable, but give your heart a little bit of liberation. And uh, I wish that Shingo could do the same because it's very miserable to seeing him wallow around for 200 pages. <laughs> well, does anyone have any final thoughts about The Sound of the Mountain by Kawabata Yasunari? What do we think um, it means daughter-in-law to be free? Because that's one of the final things that's mentioned. Yeah, there's an interesting relationship between him and the daughter-in-law. Um, who who has an idea about this? I mean, he could, like, it could be like a sort of, like, vicarious thing. Like, he's looking back at his whole life, and he's like, oh, wow, like, I, my, grand, none of my family is pretty, like, it's, like, so he sees her as, like, being able to live a good life. I don't know. And yeah, maybe that. Well, the, the whole being free thing is introduced by Shuichi because he says, mm -hmm. I want her to be a free agent. And yeah. um, I feel like um, he's kind of saying, it's kind of like, it's actually like the White Lotus season two. It's like, uh, my, my husband is fucking around, but I'm also fucking around. Um, so maybe it's, it's kind of like uh, Kikuko should, should live her life just like Shuichi does on the you know breaking taboos and everything oh i should add that i i didn't read the last like 90 pages oops wait, <laughs> you're not missing much <laughs> um in the last 90 pages a lot of plot happens but it's all um barely commented upon uh i think let's see kikuko she like leaves and goes back uh to her family in tokyo like twice or something um there are two abortions i believe um one from the mistress of shuichi and one from kikuko herself and there's divorces um the daughter-in-law gets divorced and then her husband kills himself and uh it's funny that all of these happen but like we haven't even like mentioned any of it because it's like so like quiet and inconsequential. There's no yeah, soap well, opera behind it. Yeah, well, oh, like really the, the really dramatic elements they get like all like bogged down by like all like the clutter. I don't know, and also just That's... like the 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 style of prose. It's like so flat and dry that like it can like say that like somebody like got an abortion or killed themselves or whatever, and just like has no emotional impact. I guess another thing I wanted to mention um, is that it's like very like poorly translated, which like sort of like also contributes to like the 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 prose like not really having any impact. I think. I think that it's very self consciously translated, and they are making a big effort to preserve the haiku quality um, and like the like short kind of uh, poetics. And in doing that, they also make a bunch of really like bizarre um, early 70s translation choices where they refuse to use any Japanese words for anything. And instead of calling like bonsai trees, like bonsai trees, they call them dwarf trees. Did you all notice that? I did. Uh, translation yeah. is getting better as time goes on. We can all agree about that. 
Yeah, for certain. Um, it's like then they would like keep some like the specific kinds of teas, and then you'd have to flip to the end of the chapter just to for them to be like, "This is tea." Yeah, it was. <laughs> this is tea. <laughs> this is tea. This is tea. <laughs> and it's so funny because like, um, translation has never been better than it is right now, but never has like the selection of what's being translated been worse like um it's such a tragedy like what these uh young like uh animated translators are going for and it's like nothing but like oppression olympic identity garbage and do i think kawabata is an author i like no not at all but his work should be translated and it's like at least very literally uh significant so I, he has several books that remain untranslated as does mishima and uh it's just a little bit depressing that um we have a, such a better like a sense of translation now and it's being squandered on utter trash i do think there are some really beautiful um passages um on page 125 where shuichi is uh, drunk and he comes home and he's wallowing in sorrow um I thought that was really beautiful. It's the paragraph that starts with, but then he decided that that might not be the best thing to do. Shuichi seemed to be calling out in heartbroken love and in sorrow. Um, I think that's one of those explosions where the monotony is broken and something beautiful happens. Um, but, you know. Yeah, it's it's a shame that there, um, that's like one of the only moments I can recall that that actually happens and the explosive piercing is accomplished. Yeah, um, I also feel like. Oh, um, sorry. Oh, you can go ahead. There, uh, there is like a particularly, uh, I don't know, resonant moment. I thought to me, uh, towards the end of the book, it's uh, and I kind of just wanted to get y'all's read on it. It uh, it takes place when Shingo is on the train and the um the train stops due to an accident further on the tracks. And, oh, I love uh, this scene. He notices a, a young Japanese boy who's with this um, like scary looking like older foreigner. Um, and he deduces that the young Japanese boy is actually a male prostitute who specializes in foreigners. He like uh, muses on the presence of this young boy for a moment. And then he finishes off this brief segment with the thought that he will soon be dead. Um, and then it says the foul ditch was lined with green weeds. Still the train did not move. Um, what did you guys make of this? Because like this, I read that and I was like, I was like, it was like shocking and upsetting. And like, it kind of like shook me out of the days that I was in while I was reading this. Um, and I wanted to know what y'all made of it. Well, because I've I've read a bunch of other Kawabata stuff, he has, like, a bunch of, like, decadent, like, the West is coming to, like, rape our country and, like, defeat our moral values. Like, the West is, like, eating us alive. And I definitely feel like he was kind of having, like, a little, like, scream here about the um, encroaching threat of Western culture. Uh, but I could yeah, be mistaken. This is post war. This, you guys, there are Americans here now, and they are paying our men money for sex. <laughs> oh my god! No. 
<laughs> Did anyone have a different um, take on this? I mean, I do think that, like, what, 70 years after the Meiji Restoration, like, that Japan had become a, a place for sex tourism. It's, like, a huge shift over the course of one lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And he was, like, alive, like, if I recall correctly, like, he was, like, born in, like, late Meiji. Yeah. So I, I definitely thought, like, tried to remove, like, the my jaded Roll's eyes. But I do think, I did find that scene really powerful in that, like, what would it mean for this morally upright, boring old man to see a beautiful young person exactly who he wants to be, but instead of, like, living an upright life like he would imagine he's hooking for white dudes. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. And it, it really kind of shook me up too. I thought that the scene was quite powerful and it's like a disturbing and like a tragic. It reminds me very much of like cabaret, honestly, if that makes sense to any of you. Nope. <laughs> Didn't land. <laughs> but on that, on this point, I mean, and I say this having not made it to this part of the book, but I would say that like I could see it being him like looking back and like just like kind of imagining an entire life that will be played out as he's about to leave the earth like he's seeing this boy who's going to live like such an entirely different life than he did Mm -hmm. that's very beautiful wow is there any final comment we have on this uh, tr- very slow book that has uh, <laughs> kind of frustrated all of us? But I'm glad that we all had like a, a kind of a different reaction to it because it's fun not to love something every single time. Um, anyway, any I, final thoughts? Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like as a whole, it was kind of like drenched in this depression that is probably common at that age I would imagine like of looking back at your life and like what you're leaving behind especially in that one part where he's like thinking about his lost grandchild and whether she was a beauty like refused from the world it just seems I don't know it just makes me want to like make sure I like do stuff and produce beautiful things or I don't know honestly I feel like the fact that I feel like having an awareness of beauty in general helps to not feel this feeling later on, maybe, but I don't know. I think that is a really good summation and mines this uh, frustrating book for something worthwhile. So let's leave it on that very generous reading. And we (laughs) will be returning um, next month. If you're interested in joining the book club, All you have to do is pay me $5 on Patreon for access to the Discord where we organize the book club every month. And next month, we will be discussing Aldous Huxley's Brave New World from 1932. Should be uh, interesting. It's like a very generic book club choice, honestly. It feels uh, very charmingly... uh, I don't know. It's like it was like charming to be like simple to like read Brave New World for your book club. So I'm looking forward to that. But on that note, thank you all for joining me tonight. And uh, we'll leave it at that. Ciao. Mata ne.